Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Podcasts. It's like radio. But it's not on the radio. As far as Mitchell, last year he didn't necessarily always understand every level to this offense. Now he is. Max strips it! My oh my! Khalil Mack, he is unbelievable! WGN Radio presents Hogan Johns. Eddie Jackson for the fifth time in his young career has a touchdown. WGN's Adam Hogue. Yep, that's him. They're the best at what they do. We roll how we roll. And from the athletic, Adam Johns. Table guy. I am serious. Bingo. Yahtzee. Now don't call me Shirley. Shake and bake. Here they are. The Adams. Go Bears. Hogan Johns. Shake and bake. Welcome in Hogan Johns, episode 232. How do you like the studio? I do. I, I, I like it. I, I like the the view. Navy Pier in the background. It's better than the view at my house. Yes, it is. Just a little bit. Uh, Vernon Hills does not have this kind of view. Uh, we're inside the performance studio at WGN Radio. A little different today. Uh, just, you know, life and work and things uh, required us to come downtown and do the podcast. We're busy men. Which we could do every once in a while. We're grown-ass men. We have a lot of things going on. <laughs> that is accurate. Uh, we are grown-ass men. Men? Men. men. Men, I believe it would be plural. the plural of that. Uh, welcome in. Yeah, so um, we have this Ask Us Anything podcast next month. It's uh, Wednesday, June 26th in the evening. Uh, we have qualified our first three. I don't know if qualify is the right word or not, but we got our first three winners of tickets. Uh, it's an exclusive event. It's going to be fun. You can ask us any questions you have about football, about life, about anything. About life. <laughs> yeah. But it's going to be inside. Don't the- take our advice, though. Or maybe. So to give you a sneak peek of the studio, because obviously there's a podcast and you can't see us, uh, we did a little video that was posted uh, on Twitter, Instagram, social media, Facebook. And you dressed up for it. I did. I dressed up just for the video. You did. Um, no, I had forget tel- the TV I had appearance tel- that you made this morning. I had television this morning, which is why I'm I look so much better than you do. Right <laughs> that, and you still kept your makeup on. But that's another conversation. Yeah, I brought this up on the video. Can you be a beer drinking football guy with makeup on? No, that that is a question where you, that can be asked. I can a couple be weeks though. A coffee drinking TV guy though. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. There's a lot of coffee drinking makeup guys, which is what I am today. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H O G E at Adam Johns J A H N S. That's where you can find uh, that video and other videos that Johns makes fun of me for. Our producer Joe Romano is in the house. We get to see him face to face today. Hey guys. We should keep the uh, blinds open so we don't see him. Oh yeah. No, I'm just glare. kidding, Joe. I can see you. You're like five feet away from me, just in another room. Wow. Yeah, we can yeah. reach out. Yes, you don't want it. Okay. No, okay, okay, okay. Pass. The the view in here is so awesome that in the daytime though it creates this huge glare on the producer window, and like when I do socks post game or pregame up here for a day game, I, we have to close all the blinds and block the view because I need to be able to see the engineer and the producer 
Um, so right now we're just leaving it open so we can't see Joe. Okay. It's just weird. We're not supposed to see you, Joe. Yeah, it does have a different right. feel to it. No doubt about it. Usually it's the opposite, but we have created <laughs> such chemistry here. He's on got the a Hogan. nice pullover on. Griffey Jr., baby. He's, he, yeah, he's dressed, he's dressed better than I am. He's for very your... concerned about what everyone's wearing today. Yes. Spontaneous Instagram video. I'm kidding. We're, we're, would you have dressed up better? No. Yeah. No. You, you look like Adam Johns. Yes. You look like you should be dressed. <laughs> I appreciate There's, that. You you look fine. You look good. Thank you. All right. Uh, read us at wgnradio.com slash bears, theathletic.com, or on the Athletic app. Subscribe. Subscribe. If you don't, I just I don't I got nothing for you. You should be subscribed. Do it now. Do it later. Just do it. If you don't subscribe, you're probably one of those people that uh, doesn't think that netting should be extended down the line <laughs> at Major League Baseball games. That poor kid. That was the story of the morning. Yeah, yeah. Albert Omora. Oh, kid's gonna be all right though. Is that official? I think so. Because we were waiting for like an official update all morning. And it may not be one. official. But there were a bunch of reports that were saying that. But yes. I was just like, well, by the time this, by the time this comes out, it probably will. There'll probably be an update. But uh, you know, I just, I, I, we will talk football. I promise. I just do not understand these people that don't want the netting down the line. There's nothing wrong with sitting behind netting. It's like the people who complain about weather updates when a tornado is maybe ten miles oh. away, and they want to yeah. get back to I don't know Gray's Anatomy or something. I, I, I care too much about myself uh, to care about other people's safety. Yes. Just think about that. It, it's, yeah, anyway. It happened at uh, White Sox Park a few years back. Derek Jeter roped one down the line and like really drilled somebody. They had to go to the hospital, and he went there you know, that day or uh, the next day uh, with a bunch of Derek Jeter gear. And you know, it's, it's, it's a nice gesture, sure, but I mean, I'd rather just go to a game and not go to the hospital. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, White Sox were playing – uh, the Blue Jays in Toronto and Vlad Guerrero Jr. rope one down the line and hit someone. Fortunately, I think that person was fine. But I was just thinking with Vlad Guerrero Jr. coming up, like Toronto should just put the netting up for that because this guy's exit velocities are insane. And he's going to pull the ball down the line probably once a game. Foul. Like and, father, like son. And no one wants to be hit by that. So anyway, uh, we'll be talking football. Here's here's what we're going to do. So we got our first three winners via our voicemail line for the tickets to the live show. The our Ask Us Anything podcast is Wednesday, June 26th. Um, we're still working on the exact timing. We're trying to figure all that. But it will be in the evening because uh, we want to take advantage of this view. And there might actually be fireworks at Navy Pier, which you could be able to see, adding to the incentive of coming to this cool event. Um we're going to do the qualification a little differently this week because last week we kind of rewarded the people that listen to the podcast right away. Um, we The whole point of a podcast, though, is that it does not need to be appointment uh, radio, for lack of a better term. You can listen to it at your convenience, and people commute at different times. They listen to podcasts in different ways, and so you shouldn't have to listen to the podcast immediately to be able to go to those live shows. So to reward other people, uh, another good segment, I think, of our listenership, because we want to spread the, out the love here, we have great voicemailers during the season. We get some tremendous creative voicemails at the voicemail line, 312-222-5050. So we're going to put our producer, our great producer, Joe Romano. Hey, follow, hey guys. You can follow him at Joey Joe. By the way, I don't have the soundboard at my disposal today. so gonna, We'll get that figured out for the for the big show. Okay. Yeah, we're going to need it that night, for sure. Um, to, he, we're going to put him to extra work this week, because here's how you can win the tickets this week. And again, we'll take three winners this week from this podcast. 
most creative voicemails to our voicemail line, 312-222-5050, with the subject, give us your hot bears take. The hottest of hot takes. The hottest of hottest bears take for 2019. They could be dead serious. They could be kind of fun. Whatever you want to do, but whatever Joe, Super Joe Romano, determines to be the best voicemails, the most creative most entertaining. Those will be our three winners for this week. Got it? So if you know Joe and you've listened to the <laughs> podcast before, you, you know what he likes to talk about when it comes to football and certain other things. Yep. Keep that in mind. So again, our loyal listeners. Butter them up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Should we talk some football? It is a football podcast. By the way, search Hogan Johns, rate and review it. We appreciate you doing that. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify. We make sure the podcast is everywhere you need it to be so you can listen at your convenience. All right. Um, Khalil Mack talked to us, which was uh, noteworthy for many reasons. Uh, We did talk to him yesterday at OTAs at Hallis Hall, and uh, he had something very, very interesting to say when asked a question uh, about Ted Monacino, his new outside linebackers coach who brought up his ex- his own expectations, that being Khalil Mack's own expectations for himself in the context of him wanting to be the best pass rusher of all time. Absolutely. It's as simple as that. Uh, he asked me what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be, uh, and I, I want to I be the best. I mean, I want to be the best to play the game. And um, he, expected me, he expected me to say that, and um, I, was, I was cool with it, and so that's what we're doing. We're grinding, so, yeah, I'm trying to work towards that. So is he, he's holding you to that standard? Absolutely. I hold myself to it every day. You know what I mean? Not only him, but me and everybody else. We're holding each other to a higher standard, and uh, that's what it's all about. In your mind, who's the best that's ever played your position before? Oh, man, there's, there's so many greats, man. You can't really. Who you chasing? You can't really. Uh, I mean, you got LT. You got Derek Thomas. You know what I mean? You got special, special guys, man, that's played this position. And, um, yeah, that's all you can do is kind of chase, but, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can't really compare those guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, best of the best. Yeah, you don't want to compare them to him just yet, but that is his goal. Well, we've had this LT conversation before. Yeah. Bill Belichick would not be part of that conversation because he doesn't want to hear any of it. But to me, when I heard that, what do you expect the best player in your football team to say? I, I, I know it could be kind of a viral comment in terms of what his answer could be, but of course you want your best player to be the best of all time. You paid him a lot of money, you gave him a lot of draft capital, and you got to like his mindset. But So here's my question. Could he actually end up being the best of all time? Like, is that, I agree with you that it's sort of something you expect so, him to say, and I'm not going to... Okay, okay, it's a different conversation then. Is it a realistic right. end point for Cleo Mack? Who is still only 28 years old, is now playing on a much better defense than he ever had with the Raiders, who put up 12 and a half sacks last year despite missing two games and being banged up in two others. That's a quarter of the season, by the way. And being acquired a week before the season started. Exactly. Who did not even go through the offseason program with the Bears last year. Basically walked out of a lifetime and onto the field at Lambeau and wrecked the game. I I, I'm st- I still have to, to put that into context. Eight years 
This is now my ninth year covering the team. I'm not sure I've ever seen a better individual performance in person covering this team than what Khalil Mack did. Well, week especially one. given the context of his, you know, the contract impasse. He didn't have an offseason program. I know he trained. I know he, he didn't know the defense. Yes, he literally didn't even know what they were calling. They weren't even sure if they were going to play him that much. Get quarterback. They they were like, all right, uh, let's see how this goes. Here you go. Um, go get the quarterback, and he did it, and he scored a touchdown. Against the biggest rival in primetime. It, it was an unbelievable performance, and the entire year was incredible. Understanding that he had not gone through an NFL offseason program. Uh, now, it's not like a rookie going through it for the first time. He's been He's been on an NFL team for a long time, but he wasn't with this team. He didn't know the defense. He was learning all of it on the fly, and he still was, was an incredible player. Um... You know, arguably the best, you could say the best defensive player in the league last year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Aaron Donald may have something to, to say about but that. But that was well. a conversation yeah. all season long yes, that we yes, were having. Yes. He, he was in the running for it. And I think it's going to be the same conversation this year. Can J.J. Watt re- return to form? That special form he had a couple years ago. I, I, well, J.J. Watt was pretty damn good last year. He was still year. pretty. He was not doing what he did a few years ago, though. Came up in glimpses. But I think he's going to return to that this year. Now that he's healthy, he's had a lot of serious injuries to go through. Yeah. Well, and that's, a, that's the one thing I, here. I, I think where Cleo Mack right now is in terms of the greatest ever conversation. Right now, he is amongst the greatest defensive players in the league. Top three, to me, it's him, Donald, and a healthy Watt. I mean, who else would you put in part of that conversation right now? <sighs> in terms of pass rushers, I mean, that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah, and in terms of value position, it goes quarterbacks, pass rushers. So, I, with all due respect to, to the linebackers, the Luke Keekleys of the world, maybe Roquan Smith could be something special. Even to your Eddie Jacksons, your shutdown cornerbacks out there as well. The pass rushers have more value than your positions. Well, and that's the question: Can he be the best pass rusher of all time? I mean, to me, he's got to hit twenty sacks first. His career high is fifteen. Yep, we cannot have that conversation until he hits the twenty mark. I think that's being fair. He's been damn good. All right, three-time All-Pro. He's got to hit twenty sacks for me. No, I I think twenty sacks is uh, is in the conversation this year because you know he did what he did in Oakland kind of by himself. I mean, I don't I don't mean to diminish the rest of the defense, but you know he never had other guys on that defensive line that were commanding the type of attention that Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks. And, you know, they can't forget about Leonard Floyd even on the other side. So, you know, he put up 15 sacks, 23 tackles for loss in 2015. Those are incredible numbers and never missed a game until last season. Who were the pass rushers in Pagano's defense when he was in Baltimore? Like, was that the, like, Peter Bulware days? Or was he well, there, there was when so Suggs much was there? It, 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 Terrell Suggs. Right. Terrell Suggs was, was their, their top guy at that time. And, and I think... With all due respect to Terrell Suggs, who's a Hall of Fame caliber player, in my opinion, Cleo Mack is better. By the end of it, he'll have he'll have a better career than Terrell Suggs, and that is, I think, that's significant, lofty, high praise coming from me. I w- I'm I'm with you though, like twenty sacks. Uh, just going back to when when, when JJ Watt was uh, was unstoppable. I'm, I got his numbers here: twenty and a half sacks. Then he went down to ten and a half, then twenty and a half again, then seventeen and a half. JJ or er, Cleo Max career high again is 15. And he was probably injured that year. He had 10 and a half. <laughs> he probably only played in half of the games. I'll tell you what, though. You know how many times Lawrence Taylor hit 
20 sacks? Once. Do you know how many times he went over 15? Just twice. So, now... Num- the, the errors are a bit different. Uh, sure. More opportunities. More opportunities now, sure. Uh, also, he played for, what is this, 13 years? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years. So, uh, Cleo Max got a ways to go. And as I think you're, you brought up J.J. Watt, I mean, injuries have piled up. You never really know when that's going to start. Um, I don't think the injury Khalil Mack had last year was anything debilitating, you know, long term, um, but you never know when that's going to go. The guy's 28, though, and you got to think he is at least to the end of this contract um, with the Bears. He's going to be pretty damn effective, and that takes him to 10 years in the league. I, I, I still think the 20... 20- Sack mark is a significant plateau. I, I just pull up Reggie White. He hit it once, 21. The best of all time eventually hit that number, one could argue. Right. Actually, uh, just to clarify, LT did get 15 three times. Get to 15 three times. And he had one stretch. We well, had a stretch of double-digit sacks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight seasons from 1984 to 1990. Khalil Mack, currently uh, at four straight years. So, I mean, I, 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 just numbers, he's kind of in this conversation where it's realistic. He's got a lot more to do, don't get me wrong. And I think what you bring up with eras is completely fair, too. But this quote just kind of sparked this thinking in me. Like, hey, wait a minute. 28 years old. He's already this damn good. Oh, he can do it. At a minimum, Man, the Bears got themselves a fun-ass player to watch for a long time. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think the one way he, he can uh, do it without getting to 20 is if he's the leader of a Bears de- that of the defense that goes to a Super Bowl and wins a Super Bowl. If yeah. he's a guy who you know consistently gets them you know NFC Championship game, Super Bowl, and, and a championship, I think he can get, get away with still being right around 50. Hey, look, I know sacks are, aren't everything. I know... The analysts will tell you hurries, you know, quarterback hits still have immense value, you know, because you're changing launch points, all that type of football lingo. But sacks are still finished plays. Mm-hmm. You're getting home. You're taking quarter of the quarterback. You know, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks get rushed, get hurt, get hit, and complete passes. A sack eliminates all of that. So they're still very significant to me. He had a rush in practice yesterday that... Oh, th- poor Charles. I know. Did you see that yeah. one? Yeah. I-, I think Trubisky would have been out for the year had it been a real... Live contact situation. Yeah, he got up and under. Although, Leno. I, it did look to me like maybe Khalil jumped a little early. It's kind of hard from our vantage point, but he may have been offsides on it. Yeah. Which well, just to give Leno a little bit of defense. Are there officials that practice? Not at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. How great is it that he's at OTAs though? He doesn't have to be here. Didn't. He obviously proved that last season. I did laugh, though, and Nagy uh, was making the point that, like, well, he's just doing what he always does. He's always been this type of guy. And I think, too, you know, the point he was trying to make is valid, that Mac always has been this guy. But I was like, um, do you remember how you acquired him last year? Yeah, he put his foot down. Yeah, He, he sat out all, all of OTAs in the whole offseason and training camp. So it just made me laugh. But to, to what the point Nagy was making was valid. This is the type of player that wants to be out there, that is always tr- striving to get better, um, and he's using that opportunity right now. Yeah, there's a lot of notable players who aren't in their OTAs right now. Again, it's oh, voluntary. 
And let me tell you, they say it's voluntary, but it's they want you there. There's teaching going that, on. That needs to be something addressed in the CBA where um, it just needs to be mandatory. Yeah. It, it's not that hard to expect these guys to work with your teammates? With your teammates in the offseason when you have a sport like football that yeah. requires see, see, I understand, like, just so players only have a limited amount of time to, to take advantage of their value. Khalil Mack did that. He's in the prime of his career. He was having a tough time negotiating with the Raiders, so he put his foot down. I understand that. But some of these guys who, who you're Le'Veon Bell's the world, big contract from the Jets? No, I don't have to go to OTAs. Forget that. I mean, that's just a bad miss, bad message, bad look. I don't get it. I don't get it what some of these guys are, are trying to do. I get you could train on your own and come back in shape and still be a great football player for your team, but maybe you could be even greater if you're there with your teammates. Well, it's a case-by-case basis. Um, in Le'Veon Bell's situation where you just got paid and you're on a new team, that one I do not understand or support in any way. Um, and that'll be an interesting situation to continue to watch. Since we're on the topic of the defense, I wanted to bring this up before we start talking about Mitchell Trubisky, who we got a chance to talk to yesterday. Uh, but there's been this idea floating around that because Vic Fangio's gone, that the defense is automatically going to take a step back. Oh, I wrote about this. Read it, read it on The Athletic. you got to read it at The Athletic. I'll give you a little tease. Go ahead. What, uh, do, you, what do you got? Well, my, I just don't... I think it's kind of a reckless assumption. Is it possible? Did Vic Fangio do an unbelievable job in Chicago for four years building that unit up to what it was last year? Absolutely. Did he deserve to get the head coaching job in Denver because of it? Absolutely. You use the word building, and it makes it sound like he's, I don't know, like molding football players. I get that there's development, but... But, but, well, I think we're on the same page here. He's not the one who acquired the players. It's correct. He had a say. He had a say. But it was a great scheme, and I don't think it's going to change that dramatically. But what still matters here is at every single level of the defense, these players are still there. Yeah, And there's a lot of guys who should be better. Yes, Like Roquan Smith, who I think has the ability to be one of the best linebackers in the entire league. Yep. Yep. I'm with, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and people need to accept that change successful change. You know, like you see coaches leave to get head coaching positions. That means a lot of things worked well. So I, I look back at, at the Ravens. I wrote about it at The Athletic. So from 2003 to 2011, the Ravens defense, the worst they finished in total yards, total defense, was 10th. In that time span, they went from Brian Billick to John Harbaugh. They went from Mike Nolan to Rex Ryan to Greg Madison. You know who he is? I do. He used to be the big boy over there's defensive coordinator at Michigan. Yeah, yep, go yep. blue, go blue. <laughs> That's right. To Pagano in eleven. So four defensive coordinators, two head coaches. The players matter. Look, yeah. I, I get that great coaches. There's great coaches, and, and you know they're they're like he, Vic Fangio is significantly better at his job than Amel Tucker. I understand that. But you know what? Chuck Pagano became a head coach because he was pretty darn good at his job, too, being a defensive coordinator of the Ravens' defense. Yeah, so there's going to be an adjustment. Of course there's going to be an adjustment. But nobody in their right mind is going to try to come in with this group of players and try to change everything up 
You know, it, it's going to look very similar, and it should. And then there's a, this other thing, and I apologize because I didn't read the story, but it was I was listening to Cap Show yesterday, and they referenced a story on ESPN.com, I guess, that graded the Bears' offseason at a B-, and was referencing the losses of Adrian Amos and Bryce Callahan and Vic Fangio and all that. Can we stop overrating Adrian Amos and Bryce Callahan? Good players. Good players. Guys that the Bears developed, drafted later, or signed in free agency, undrafted free agency, and developed. And I think Vic Fangio had a lot to do with that. Those would be examples, I think, of actually a couple guys that Vic Fangio did a tremendous job. So, is it a loss? Sure. But we're not talking about, like, Khalil Mack walking out the door all of a sudden from the defense from last year. Or Keem Hicks. You know, we're keep not, going, keep going, like, Adam. Roquan Smith, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, guys who are more valuable to your defense. Right, where would you rank those two guys in the defense? Ninth and tenth. Because I'm trying to think. Like, would you have him ahead of Prince of Mukamara? Yes. Okay. Might be the only player. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Because even Blal Nichols. Yeah, maybe below that. So those two. Who came okay, so you're, you're thinking the number 12 because you, you yeah. have the nickel back. Yes. Yeah, right. But, I mean, the, other than that, Eddie Goldman? No. no. Akeem Hicks? No. Kyle Fuller? No. Eddie Jackson? Hell no. Roquan Smith? Danny Trevathan? Roquan Smith? No. no. I know war is a baseball stat, but, I mean, those guys are both replacement-level guys. I mean, we're not we're not talking about losing pro bowlers. You know exactly. We've talked about Amos being a good player, but he's not a playmaker. He's not. He how many interceptions did he have in his Bears career? Three. And I also think both of those guys were byproducts of the defense. Not to take anything. They're, they're good players, and I give them all the credit in the world for coming along. But I guarantee you, take those two players and put them on the Jets or Buster Screens coming <laughs> or over maybe from. Put them on the Packers or put them on the Packers where Haha Clint Dix is coming from. They're not going to be. Uh, the players that these other teams think they're getting. And per, case in point, can't wait to see how Adrian Amos looks in Green Bay. How's that going to look? Because he's not going to have Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks going after the passer in front of him. And there were the majority of his four years in Chicago, Adrian Amos did not look like the guy you saw last year uh, who looked like a really good player. His first interception Ever in a Bears uniform. It was that pick six against the Ravens. Yep, in Baltimore. If Joe Flacco doesn't make it a, a, a Joe Flacco-like throw, and Kyle Fuller does not get his hands on that ball and tip it up in the air, that play never happens. Great return. Don't get me wrong. It was an exceptional return. But that interception, that play does not happen without the help of Kyle Fuller and some help from Joe Flacco. And don't get me wrong. Like, Am I sure HaHa Clint Dix is better than Adrian Amos? No. Do I feel like he will be better here than he was in Green Bay because of the defense he's joining? Yeah, I kind of do. I like that's kind of my expectation for him. I think he's going to get his hands on more footballs. Now, will tackling still be an issue? Maybe, and that's one area where Adrian Amos was pretty damn solid. Bryce Callahan, though, I, I don't think the Bears got worse with Buster Screen. I, I really don't because I think you factor in the defense. The entire defense around these guys, I don't think they got worse at either spot. Did they get better? I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying they got better, but I sure as hell don't 
look at this defense like, oh, it's going to take a step back because they lost these two key players. I don't well, look at it again. Like that. Look, and I like what Pro Football Focus does in general. I like some of their breakdowns, some trends, how they break, break those down. But I think it's unfair to have their ranking because a lot of fans, a lot of analysts, a lot of media members will use what Adrian Amos did in Pro Football Focus's lens well, he's a to first, validate his worth. First ballot Pro Football Focus Hall of Famer, Adrian Amos. He's not. And we're being fair here. Are we not? He's a good player. He's a good player. And this isn't to minimize those two guys. It's that I just don't think the Bears got worse at those two positions. So people are lighting up your timeline, I, th- I see here, huh? I could see this. This is they how this conversation be. I, I is mean, going. We're, yeah, we're okay. not live right now, so. Yeah, I think no, that- <laughs> I just, this, this is what we're talking about. People have lit you up on the timeline, I see here, the past weekend. I think it would have been worth mentioning in that article if they failed to get somebody to fill in. You know, obviously, ha is a, it could, could even be an upgrade. But, I mean, Buster Screen, that's a guy that, that they pointed to on the tape last year when they played the Jets. This is a guy that they, that they, that's going to walk right in and play, play the position the way that they expect it to be played. You know, yeah. I, I don't think Bryce, you, you mentioned Bryce Callahan unless you, you get some Buster. Well, <laughs> and these fans, <laughs> <laughs> these fans in New York and these fans in Green Bay that are criticizing these two guys are doing so in the lens of their own somewhat crappy defenses. Not terrible defenses, but not as good as the Bears' defense. No, no, no. And they're also looking at the guys they're getting in return. And I honestly don't know know who the Jets are filling in in that spot. But for the Packers and and, uh, Adrian Amos' situation, they think they're getting the safety that was in the Bears' defense last year. Oh, I I don't, I don't know that they're getting. And who knows? Maybe Adrian Amos will have an All Pro season. But I think that's kind of again good player. All pro, he is not. All right. Well, well, the uh, the status of that defense, because look, a little step back is uh, it wouldn't be surprising. Uh, they were so good last year. I think it's fair if you're like the Bears right now to be like, well, the offense needs to take a big step forward because it yeah, the, expecting that from the defense is a little unrealistic. That alone will improve the defense and, and the health too. I mean, that's one. If I had to like put one concern about this team, and it's sort of combo, it's the schedule's tougher. I still think the Bears are better. A lot of these teams are playing. The schedule's tougher, and it's I just don't know they're going to stay as healthy. Well, look, I think it's kind of a misconception. Look, they they had injuries last year, but they never had like the the rash of catastrophic injuries. Well, we're so that that, that happened under Tressman. That happened under Fox, and I get that. I, I think they dealt with various ailments last year. Well, sure. was banged up. Their quarterback... Eddie Jackson was banged up. Quarterback missed two games. Yes. Uh, their best player missed two games, Khalil Mack, and was banged up for two others, and they didn't have their their all-pro safety in the playoff game. Yeah. You could go on. Adam Shaheen, you could go on and on. Just saying. They dealt with ailments. Yep. You didn't have the catastrophic injuries, you know, knock on wood. You can hear me knocking, but they dealt and survived through various ailments last year. So, anyway, the offense, I think we all agree, though, needs to be better in year two under Matt Nagy and should be better um, just by virtue of being in the system again. And I think if there's one there's one thing that we can tangibly look at in OTAs right now, which can often be misleading where guys are lining up, 
the depth chart, which we're really not even allowed to report to you, but we see it and we write it down in our notebooks and things like that. That's, that stuff always changes. And back when the Bears weren't really good, that mattered more than it does right now. Okay? But anybody going out and watching a Bears practice, uh, certainly those of us that saw Bears practices at this time last year, can look at Mitch Trubisky, can look at this offense, and realize this whole like 101, the 202 thing that Matt Nagy's been talking about, it's legitimate. I mean, there's no, it doesn't look like installation. I know they're installing things. I know they're working on plays that didn't they didn't necessarily run last year or didn't work last That's year. That's my main takeaway from and, yesterday. And, go on, yes. and now they're doing it now. I know that stuff is happening, but to the naked eye, it doesn't even look like it. Whereas last year, it was like you could tell all these guys were going through this for the first time, and Trubisky was trying to learn this on the fly. And that's not what's going on right now, and that is such a big, important thing to keep in mind that if you just, everything else equal, like talent-wise, just the concept of these guys understanding the offense and being ready week one, they should be better. Now you factor in also all these other things like, hey, Mitch Trubisky better be better. Well, now this offense can really take a step forward. See, so now we're having a different conversation about change and continuity, right? So I think it could be overrated on defense, continuity, because you still have... Well, there is some. You still have your players coming back. So the coaching changes can be... They're not as seismic as like when Lovey Smith departed. It's a different because mm-hmm. you still have some of the same players. It's not going to feel... The, the, the same way. It's just not. But offensively, you go back to the, the Cutler argument. The guy went from coordinator to coordinator to coordinator. Was never able to build on anything. His receivers change all the time. He didn't even have real receivers for a certain stretch of his career. Trubisky's in a different spot. So when you hear Matt Nagy and Trubisky and Mark Helfrich talking about going back to some unused plays, plays that didn't work for various reasons, whether it was Trubisky's comfort in them or the players running the routes or, or whatnot, personnel changes, that they're going back and going back, that they're going back to these concepts and these plays and trying to not say reinstall but reintroduce and run them again, and some of them are starting to click. There's some of the progress that you're seeing in OTAs, and, and I kind of almost forgotten not completely forgotten, but sort of had it jogged my memory that Allen Robinson wasn't out there at this yeah. time last year. Yeah. And now he is. And he's clearly the you know the top wide receiver on the team. And that helps too. I mean, just b- continuing to build that chemistry that they didn't have last year as he was coming back from that ACL. And, and that's another player I look at that he really turned it on late in the year. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this last drive of the season that, of course, ended in the double doink. But so much of the focus of that last possession has been and will continue to be on what happened with the kicker that it is so obvious. We, we talked about this before. Mitch Trubisky, Dave Ragone, the quarterback's coach, and Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich and all these guys, once they were able to get over the loss and look at what happened on that last drive, it matters a lot in that building, what Trubisky did. And we're going to hear from Dave Ragone on that exact subject here in a, in a second. But first, let's hear from Mitch Trubisky. We haven't heard from him in a while. He hasn't talked since this, the season was over, at least you know publicly, uh, to the masses at House Hall. So we figure we'll just share with you the whole thing since it's it's been a while. And you're going to hear Mitch in his own words talk a, 
lot about the, these very same things that we're discussing. I feel really great out there. I uh, feel very comfortable. It's just a lot of fun to be back in Chicago with the boys playing football again. And uh, I think smooth is a really good word to, to describe how things are going. It just uh, feels like we're playing football. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows what they're doing, being year two in this offense. So it's a lot of fun just getting out there, um, going through it, and uh, just being even more detailed than we were last year within every single each play. And, uh, yeah, it's going really smooth, and we're just out there having fun and executing, and the, the defense is throwing a lot of good looks at us. So it's very cool to see what they're doing. So. Coach said that you were learning the offense last year. You said you were learning the offense last year, and you're mm-hmm. mastering it this year. What does that mean to you, mastering it? Yeah, trying to. It's It's – basically trying to know the offense as well as coach Nagy does just being on the same page mastering this offense owning every single whether it's protection call check adjustment um changing plays just everything uh within each play and just owning it and then knowing it like the back of your hand so um just not second guessing being ahead and just being able to teach it to everyone else um on the offense so that's that's the goal you reach to just master something where you know it as well you can you can you can teach it to anybody what about some of the rookies and free agents sign? Yeah, yeah, we got a ton of weapons on offense. It's a lot of fun for a quarterback. It just you got a lot of talent around me. The free agents we signed, they came in here, learned the offense. They're picking up really quickly, and same with the rookies. So we just continue to add great guys that have a lot of talent, uh, contribute to our positive culture, and they want to come here. They want to contribute. They want to win, and they're, they're just they know how to work. So the guys that come in here, they're doing a great job, and they're picking up really quick. You know, when Robinson said that, that the offense is already light years ahead of where they were last year, do you do you feel that's the case? And, and why? Yeah, it, it feels like that just because everyone knows what they're doing and you don't. we don't have to spend a lot of time going in-depth in on each play because we already know most of the details and, and we're able to just like um, just detail it even more ourselves without spending time on, on the basic things. So um, it, it just it does feel like we're ahead of last year and we're helping the, the new guys here, helping the rookies, and we're, we already have so much in. We pretty much have our whole playbook in and we're adding even more stuff and getting even more creative and it's all about just executing those plays, getting our timing down, and, and make sure everything's just keep going smooth and making sure we're getting better each day. So practice has been very competitive. We're making each other better on both sides, and uh, we're just making every every rep count out here. You said you're excited about your weapons. What's your take on the kind of revamped backfield? I know it's early. Mm-hmm. They're doing well. I think the guys we brought in, uh, Mike and David, they've done a great job to, to to go with Tariq in the backfield, and even Kareth has shown flashes. And we just got a bunch of guys who are balanced back, backs, able to catch out of the backfield and really run that zone read scheme that we like here. And um, they're they're just able to do it all. And I think they're all smart guys. Uh, they know how to make guys miss and, and make plays in the open field, and that's what we want. And it, we got a great competition going, and uh, it, it's really going to help this offense just having three guys who can do everything with the ball in the hands. So so much has changed around you, whether it's the receivers and now the running backs. What do you feel like that puts on you to, you know, give this team the return on the investment and to also bring it all together and get the most out of the, the personnel that they now have? Yeah, I think for me it just goes back to mastering the offense and make sure everybody's on the same page with me. And ultimately it comes down to winning, so just making sure everyone's on the same page. We're bringing in the right guys uh, to help contribute to that winning culture that we're trying to build. And it's just getting better one day at a time and uh, and, and keeping it competitive and, and keeping it a family environment, which we do. So everyone's just – we're all contributing towards one goal, and that's continue to get better every day and make sure we're winning football games. Mitch, what do you like about James at center? Uh, he's doing a great job. Uh, James – 
he's uh, he, he's very smart, so the transition's been very easy for him so far. I, th- I would say the only difference this year is that uh, I, I'm finally hearing him talk. He doesn't he didn't talk much last year, so having him at center, uh, we we talk a lot more off the field and on the field as well. Hearing him make calls, uh, just that constant communication back and forth. So um, it, it, it's been great, and I've seen kind of seen like a new side of him as well because the the position change has forced him to talk a little more, uh, be more vocal, and he's doing a great job of it. And he's just he's very uh, football in- intelligent uh, player and it, it comes easy to him and obviously he, he played in college so it, it's just been a natural switch and it's been going really well and Cody's been doing a great job at guard also having a healthy Allen this offseason yeah for sure I think we're just able to build that timing and chemistry uh, even more throughout the offseason that we kind of missed last offseason with him rehabbing so um, he's one of the, the the receivers that sets the bar and, and sets the uh, the tempo for the receiver room he he makes it super competitive everyone kind of watches him uh, he handles himself like a pro and he knows exactly what he's doing on every single play and then uh, me and him are just able to build that timing the the routes and adjustments and what we want to get done in the offseason it's been great having him out here throwing to him and I think it's just going to help our uh, dynamic duo and and help push the other guys get even better all offseason long Mitch, Mitch, you go through it, one of the things I just talked to Alan that he's really noticed and respected about you this this offseason versus last because you just met him um, is how much of a focus you have on dissecting a defense and discerning and becoming like ultimate playmakers now that you know the offense. What, is, what does that statement mean to you? Uh, it means a lot. I mean, the ultimate compliment is just the respect you can get from your teammates. So that's that, that's the reason you play the game. That's the reason you work hard to earn the respects of your peers and your teammates because those are who you laid on the line for every single Sunday. And then that's exactly what we're trying to do. Just We're able to, t- t- to take the next step on offense because we know what we're doing on offense. Now we can adjust based off what the defense has given us. And just being able to take the next step. And you can, we, we have adjustments within, within each play. And when we make it to happen, you kind of see eyes open. You guys see guys getting excited because like okay we know the play we know when the defense gives this this is how we're going to adjust to it this is how we're going to run our routes this is how i'm going to take my drop this is how i'm going to manipulate with my eyes to open this up and, and we're just playing football and it, it makes it fun and and, and you kind of see why everything happens and everyone's on the same page and you kind of see everything come to fruition and uh everyone's just excited super competitive a lot of passion out here and uh and that's what you want to to get guys around you get you excited and and that makes everyone buy in every more let's study these plays even more so i know exactly what i'm doing and when i get this look i know how i'm gonna run on my route and then it's just scoring and making plays another guy who's healthy is, is kyle Wall. what have you appreciated about his presence Yeah, Kyle. Kyle's a leader by default. Just his presence out here, it automatically raises the the, the tempo and energy that sorry <laughs> that everyone brings out here. Just everyone wants to go harder when, when when Kyle's on the field. Just the intensity he brings, the focus, and and how how badly he wants this team to win and do good. And it's every single drill, every single snap, uh, he's bringing it and he's helping me get guys locked in. And it, it's not really hard to get this group locked in. That's kind of the culture we've built. That guys just come here they come ready to work and Kyle's just one of the one of those guys that's leading the charge and, and it's every single snap every single day with Kyle and he keep, he keeps it fun as well so it's awesome having him out here. A year ago you were kind of the one learning this offense now how have you embraced the challenge of teaching this offense to some of the guys who weren't in it last year? Yeah for sure I, I think it's a, a great thing that I know the offense as well as I do now that I'm able to help the the new guys the younger guys and even the guys who are coming back in this offense how exactly we want it how exactly coach Nate wants it ultimately I'm the guy out there so we want to play 
uh, to work how, how I see it and how Coach Nagy sees it so everybody's on the same page and I'm able to talk to guys in a way where um, I, I can teach it to them, they understand it, and it just helps everyone get on the same play. So when, when I know something, I can explain it and, and make sure everyone's going towards the, the same goal and executing the same play. How close are you following the kicker action out here? I mean, we're watching it, but we're not making a big deal out of it. It's it's a competition, and the best guy's going to win, and uh, we're just out here supporting our teammates. So every time there's a play, we expect it to be a positive play. It's a kick. We expect it to be made. So it, we're just pushing these guys and, and uh, bringing them into our family and embracing it, and, uh, and I truly believe competition brings out the best in everyone. So whether it's an offense, special teams drill, defensive drill, we're just keeping things competitive and making sure we're getting better one drill, one, one play at a time. Do you understand why the fans are really – focused on it um why are they focused do, on do, it do, do, do you understand do you, do you well i never why i never know why fans are focused <laughs> on anything um that's that's kind of you, you're just chasing ghosts with that it could be anything when it could be a tweet it could be a play it could be a kick it could be a throw uh i know for me it's a lot of my throws they're just going <laughs> after them but i mean that <laughs> that is what it is at that point but um it's I guess it's the trend people follow trends they follow things that are popular and, and things that are fun to talk about and uh, if it, once once we take care of it it won't even be a thing but I guess it's just a trend right now which kind of takes focus off everything else but we know as a team and as teammates how to kind of block that out and bring everyone back in bring everyone closer together because we have goals that we need to accomplish throughout OTAs one day at a time in meetings in lifts taking care of our bodies and so that's uh, that's kind of on the outside, I would say, because so that's not even something we really talk about in the locker room or something we acknowledge. We just go about our business, and everyone knows how to do that on a day-to-day basis. You said things. You said things are running smoother, but as you go through this process, are there any indicators that you look to or have seen that specifically kind of confirm that hey, we're we're getting this, we're making progress, we're better than we were. For sure, I would say plays that we we left out last year, we've already corrected and have gotten gotten better at this year. So um, it's just looking at game film, running those plays throughout OTAs, and then getting them right and correcting them already. And for me, sometimes it's just doing the footwork or getting the right protection call, and then just finding completions and uh, continuing to push the ball downfield and be aggressive. But you, we have seen, and, and like you said, those confirmations that we are getting better. It's it's evident on film. Um, it's kind kind of hard for you guys to see on the outside throughout OTAs, but we are getting better as an offense and we are improving those things that we need work on from last year. That's there, definitely a focus for us. Is there a play in particular that maybe didn't work that would be a good illustration of what you're talking about? Um, I think not necessarily a, a single play, but I think it's just figuring out what is continue continually good for this offense and what is not and what what like what we're good at so just doing the things and then just working on what we messed up last year so sometimes it's just drills not necessarily one play it's just drills um running routes and just being more detailed and stuff so we're just trying to get better so there's mitch trubisky hope you enjoyed hearing from him again and and you kind of heard what we were talking there a few minutes ago about the plays that he's more comfortable with just everything's more comfortable and the fact that he's teaching this to other players the newcomers the rookies rather than being the one who's having to take this all in uh, for the first time. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's really got to set himself up to... It, it, the easiest way to explain it is, when you're constantly worried about your own offense and your own playbook, 
it gives you less time to worry about opponents' defenses and dissecting those defenses. And the best quarterbacks in the league know their own offense so well they never even have to think about it, really. They spend all of their attention on the opponent and the matchups and exploiting those matchups. There's only so much time in a day, in a week, when you're preparing for these games during the regular season that that right there alone sets Mitch Trubisky up for success way better than the situation he was in last year when he was going through all this for the first time. Yeah, man. You know, there's this misconception, I think, that Trubisky had like a bad year last year. And I get that Patrick Mahomes put up crazy numbers, and that's one of the guys he's always going to be compared to. But statistically, the wins, Trubisky was pretty darn good last year. I think some critics don't want to accept that. They don't want to look at certain numbers. They don't want to see the the progress that that happened throughout the year. Yes, he learned. Yes, he learned what didn't work. Yes, he learned what works best. And they're going back to that philosophy right now. But look, the expectations have changed. He had a good year last year. Some people are having a tough time accepting that. But he really did. Numbers-wise, better than Jay Cutler ever did. Just saying, the expectation for quarterback play has changed in this city after what he did last year. Statistically, the best season the Bears have ever had at that position. Um, Away from the statistics, you just watch the tape, and I have done this multiple times. If you were to chart it, there's little blips here and there, up and down a little bit throughout, you know, week to week. But the linear line that goes through it is pointed up. He got better. As the season went along. Yep. And, and anybody denying that is not watching the tape. Uh, and if they're in a position, if they're one of these national guys saying that and they have access to the tape and should be doing it if they're making that opinion and coming out and saying Trubisky wasn't good last year, well, that's just irresponsible. And this gets back to the last drive of the season and what happened on the last drive of the season when with the, with the year on the line and the defense just doing what nobody thought they were going to do and cough up a touchdown at home in their own field where they've been lights out all year. The defense gives up the touchdown. Mitch Trubisky leads them down the field and puts them in a position where they should have won the game had they gotten the kick to the go The story would have been so much significantly different. Yeah. Instead, we've, we're we're obsessing over double-doinking. Although Cody Parker might still be on the of team. The world. What? Well, Cody Parker might still be on the yes, team. Yes, yes. Well, if he makes that kick, maybe there's, well, there's no national television apologies and all, all that stuff. There's so many different things, but we're still talking about Trubisky taking the next step, and who knows what would happen after that game. So, look... You know, I get you could cherry pick some bad throws from early on in the season. Like when you see like these critics, these Twitter breakdowns, these these Twitter critics that go through the tape and and they cherry pick certain plays. You know, I always see like the the Cardinals game and the Seahawks game, which were like with the first few weeks of the season, or the Patriots game, which was like the fifth game. Like he, he got he got better. Yep. He did well. One of the biggest reasons why he got better was decision-making. I was like talking to Dave Vergone. He's the Bears quarterbacks coach. And um, this is a guy that that's probably headed for bigger things, I think, down the road in his coaching career. Uh, former quarterback who, you know, is in a pretty good situation here with Matt Nagy and a young quarterback who, if Trubisky takes a step forward, Ragone's going to get attention. See all these coaches under Sean McVay 
getting opportunities elsewhere. Uh, well, if that starts to happen here with the Bears, uh, Ragone's going to be somebody that gets looked at, I think, around the league. And you know, maybe the next branch on that Andy Reid coaching tree, never really coached with Andy Reid, but comes from the Matt Nagy branch off the Andy Reid branch, if that all makes sense. An adopted branch. Uh, exactly. Anyway, Dave Ragone, we talked to him yesterday. He said a lot of interesting things about that last drive of the season uh, and the things that, that Mitch did on that drive. The fact that you made decisions, forget the throws, you made decisions to put us in a situation in which we had a chance to win home playoff game, first time ever in that environment. I said, I get the result, but it's not that. It's more right the process in which you got there. And I was proud of the kid that way. For everything else, that whole the way the whole game played out, him, you know, getting banged up, getting back in there, him fighting through some early adversity, him making some great throws in the second half of that game you know in reality him putting us in position at times obviously to try to have a chance to win it as a, as really a second year player and first in the system I mean that's what I'm saying yeah. for me with him the narrative going into the 19 season is the really good things we did in 18 don't forget them the things that we need to get better at let's use it as motivation nothing negative there but yeah to answer your question I mean I know in a roundabout way but that in itself this position is so predicated on confidence and it's inner confidence if if you can't get confidence from that last drive of your last game of that season right then there's probably something a little off and he should have it and hopefully he does would he have had the confidence to do that let's say midway through the season yeah that's a good question what the best part about that drive in my opinion being with him and seeing through really everything in two years was the look in his eye when Coach Nagy was calling the plays as he walked off the sideline into the huddle. Like you just had that feeling that he's going to find a way to, to get us down there. And I'm not saying I have not had that feeling before, but then you really put everything together, the situation, the game, what this game meant, the crowd, everything else, who you're playing against, the defending Super Bowl, a lot of things, a lot of variables thrown in there, and it seemed like he just had a calmness about him. And I looked at the backup quarterbacks at the time, and I'm like, man, I, I, we got a great feeling here. This kid's going to go do something. And, and again, like I said, he did that, and I was more proud of his decisions. I know he made some throws, but the decisions in which he made those throws, to me, that's how you replicate success, is decisions. Throws come and go, high, miss, throw. You can miss a throw, make a throw. Decisions, though, consistent productive decisions is how you stay in this business a long time. Given the the sting of the playoff loss, how long did it take you, whether it's the staff or him, to kind of isolate that drive you're talking about and turn it into, you know, a boost for 2019? Yeah, again, I think, right, with with uh, any loss, I think certain guys handle it certain ways. Uh, you know, for myself and dealing with Mitchell specifically, you know, it was my goal to pull out the things he did really well and make sure I emphasize the fact that he made some critical game time decisions in the biggest game he's played in really his life. And for him to make sure he understood that he made right decisions for those. Now, some of the things he didn't do well, you know, we, we put together plays that we can improve on. But at the end, look, there, obviously one team wins it. Like, we get all that. But 
to not be motivated to touch, to be able to feel the playoffs and not get as far as, as everybody wants, right? I think, yeah, going into the 19 season, you know, you want to go out there and, and you want to play well. But I, I still go back to the fact that regardless of what happened the year before, and I tell this to the quarterbacks, every season's a new season. So what are your goals this year? They, they, they're going to be different than they were the year before. But more importantly, like, how are you going to grow? Yeah, sure, you can use motivation from the year before, but at the end of the day, like, what's your current, what's going to get you going right now to make you a better player right now? And I think that's what we constantly talk about. We Look, we try to tear off the rearview mirror, right? We know it's back there in terms of what happened the year before. But at the end, how do we put ourselves in a position this year to get better? And it's basically what we focus on in that quarterback room as much as possible. And you guys heard me say this. That quarterback room is a, is a very unique spot in terms of position rooms. Only one guy plays. And when you've got a Chase Daniel and a Tyler Bray and myself now being together for now another year, we're all truly pulling in one direction. So, and right now, it's the backups to compete as hard as they can because if they do, then it makes Mitchell that much better. And it's for me to push all three of them. And then for the pushback and, and, you know, make sure that I'm keeping up with them. So, it's a good situation in terms of all of it. But in reality, 2019 is about us individually right now in the spring getting better and then making the guys around us better by us playing better. So again, it comes down to decision-making. And the one thing that we can't always see on tape when we go back and watch these games are or know is what the decisions are supposed to be, You know what the progressions are supposed to be. And that we're always kind of guessing on. And the people who are determining whether or not Mitch Trubisky had a good or bad game, they don't always know those things. So to hear the quarterback coach talk about that decision-making going to another level uh, late in the year is is important. But you also heard Dave going there at the end talk about this quarterback room. And it, it's interesting because they have successfully created a room that is perfect for Trubisky to learn it. While also, I think, accomplishing the always important goal of having a guy that can come in, God forbid the quarterback gets hurt, and you can still win with, which the Bears proved last year with Chase Daniel. One and one, they should have won the second game. Yes, they should have. So this is a, this is a really good learning situation for Mitch Trubisky. Is Tyler Bray in the roster? I don't I don't know that that's possible this year if he's not practice squad eligible. But he's also not a guy that is going to be getting... No, if they, job they, they they could call him back. Yeah. Yes, yes, they could call him back. And and I also think I don't think Tyler Bray's really there to be the backup to the backup in case he needs to play. No, he's there to help Mitch. He's he knows this system. He has history with Matt Nagy, and he's embracing his role as a guy who can still have a job in the NFL as a possible coach. Possibly, yes. I think he's been a guy identified by Matt Nagy. With those characteristics, coaching characteristics. Not every quarterback is going to be a great one, playing-wise. Like a Dave Ragon. Better coach mm-hmm. than player. Yeah, I was going to ask you what the benefit to that is, to having a coach in pads. You know, um, 
everything always revolves around Michigan with me. You know, they just hired Juwan Howard as their head basketball coach. His last few years in the NBA, he was the last guy on the bench in Miami, basically basically being a coach for the, for the big three. Is Tyler Bray a guy that you know they have no intention whatsoever of playing in any game? He's just there oh, yeah, to yeah, help. Absolutely, to yes, help number yes, ten. Yes, yes. I think it's different learning and listening from your peers. I think it's just different. That's why Chase Daniel has immense value and has continued to have immense value from team to team to team. Look, you don't want your backup quarterback to be in the spotlight. You want him to help your starting quarterback as much as possible. That's why Josh McCown still continues to be in this league, right? Because these guys are so good with their teammates. He's a good peer to have around your starter. Tyler Bray fits that maybe to a lesser extent. Yeah, but it's going to be hard to keep him around this year. There's no question. So, But it's Tyler Bray, I know. Bad question. We can move on. Right, but he could still be there. You know, If you are in a situation, again, where Chase Daniel needs to play, you're going to have to get another quarterback on the roster to back him up. And maybe that's who you go to. So, um, and you're right. He's probably not going anywhere as long as Matt Nagy's around in some capacity at some point. Uh, he's certainly somebody to remember if he is cut at the end of the preseason. But long time between now and then. And in the meantime, he's somebody that's very valuable in that room. The Bears value him as somebody that's helping Mitchell Trubisky right now. So, and there's no doubt about who the starter is too. Like that also matters. And they all know their role. And embrace that role. That's to me. That's very important. You don't have like the backups. Like, yeah, I'm helping them, but I really want the job. Yeah, it's not like the backup is everybody's favorite player anymore. We've been through that with the Bears. We're always in that situation. That's why it gets back to, and this is a whole other discussion. But the fact that these national guys are so uh, critical of Mitch Trubisky and here in Chicago it's the opposite like I'm still cannot believe that dynamic that we're in because it's always the opposite it's always get the backup in and that's not the case here that tells you that tells you that most of Chicago and they're still doubters I see them on Twitter all the yeah. time but it, the overwhelming majority to me from my pulse on the fan base supports what Mitch did last year yeah. and understands the situation and understands that, as I mentioned, that that line, that linear line on the graph was going up. Yeah, still going up, still going up. Him, Trubisky, Mahomes, and Watson can all be good quarterbacks in this league. A criticized class, questions about the class, right? They can all be good. They can all be great. Mm-hmm. can all win Super Bowls with them. Just saying. It's not one or the other. All right, the last thing I want to get to before we get out of here, uh, we got a chance to talk to Brad Childress. Who I, I was really looking forward to that. Chili. Chili. Um, little background on this. So as we continue to talk about the Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, world of coaching, who's next on the coaching tree as we were discussing, well, somebody who's been around uh, is Brad Childress. He was with Nagy in Kansas City. He was hired as a consultant last year. Uh, ended up getting an opportunity in the AAF. So he Wait, le- what's that? Yeah. He left the Bears at the end of training camp, right? Correct. Uh, to go to Atlanta, where he was supposed to be the head coach. And then ended up not being the head coach. <laughs> um, which you're going to hear why that happened in here, which is sort of a side story to the Bears, but still pretty interesting because Brad Childress' take on the AAF was interesting to hear about. 
Uh, but this is a guy that knows Matt Nagy and had the opportunity to be around the team early last year and then watch sort of from afar, but also was talking to Nagy every single week throughout the season. So his insight on this situation and now being rehired as an offensive assistant uh, in sort of a consulting role still, but he's he's got a, a strong voice on what's going on here with the offense. It's just really interesting to hear this. So uh, this starts with uh, Brad being asked about what impressed him about Matt Nagy's first year as a head coach. Yeah, I, I, I think the big thing is is uh, to attain the buy-in, and uh, to do that, you got to meticulously plan things. And I, and I, I told him before I left um, in August, I thought he had done a tremendous job of uh, installing the roots of this offense throughout the spring and particularly through training camp um, with pictures, with details, by asking questions, by showing video. He did it in a way that, that uh, you know, that I, I wasn't familiar with, that, that he had a mind's eye picture of how he wanted to do it. And, and I think... Uh, you know, I think it paid off in spades for him. You were confident in what he could be in that head role. What did he What did he prove to you in the first year in terms of just the ability to handle that from a different vantage point? Yeah, I mean, I just you, you know his his BU personality. I mean, that's that's it. He's not going to do it anybody else. He's not going to do it Andy's way or Brad's way or you know uh, Tubby Raymond's way. He's going to do it Matt's way, and uh, I'm, it's not unorthodox at all. It's just different. He has his own personality and his personality I think really resonates with the players and with the coaches. What kind of pride do you take seeing that success in year one? Oh, I'm happy as I could be for him. You know, I mean, there probably wasn't a game that he didn't play where I wasn't talking to him on the airplane or driving home from Soldier Field with all his kids in the car and elated for him, you know, and, and then, you know, feel like you had your heart ripped out, you know. You know, that's what I told my wife. I said, "I don't miss that." You know, this, this four, this fourth they lost. You know, so, how would you how would you describe uh, your role? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, just as, as uh, in a consulting role um, on the offensive side of the football. Um, you know, we talk about a lot of things. Would you do it this way? Would you do it that way? I'm never short of an opinion, and he's always he wouldn't ask if he didn't want one. Um, I don't have any trouble saying anything to him. He doesn't have any trouble saying anything to me. So I think there's a very clear line of communication, and you know it's refreshing sometimes. You know when somebody may be telling you what you want to hear, and somebody may say, "Man, I don't know about that." You know, but but he's always going to do what he wants to do, and it's his program to do it with. Why come back? Why come back? Well. Um, I thought the AAF was going to be a pretty good deal, but but then I misthought that, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's like I told Matt the first time I came. Um, number one, it's Matt. I love Matt as a person. Um, probably wouldn't do it with anybody else besides Matt. And number two, I'm a lifelong Chicago Bears fan. I grew up in Aurora. My, my in-laws are 90 and 91. My dad is 88 and lives in Aurora. My mom's 85 and lives part-time in Aurora. Um, so it's a, it's a natural to come back here be by family. Matter of fact, my wife's in Aurora seeing her, her parents today. So it, it's perfect. Huh? 
growing up, you said you were a Bears fan. Yeah, Anybody so I was. I'm, I'm old enough to have uh, been at the game. My dad took me to the game where Gail Sayers ran around the left edge. I was in the uh, uh, upper deck of Wrigley Field uh, on, on the third base line, running right at me. And I can remember still the uh, the canvas stretcher that they carried him off on. Uh, I, I remember that like it was yesterday. So uh, I was always a Bears fan. I uh, went to the Bobby Douglas uh, football camp at my alma mater, Marmion. Watch him knock a guy out with a volleyball, throwing left-handed. You know, some kid today probably would have sued him and owned Marmion. You know, but uh, um, yeah. So I'm old enough to remember, you know, Jack Con Canyon, Rudy Bukic, and all the boys. As offenses continue to evolve in the NFL, what is it about Matt that he seems to at least at least he showed us last year? He seems to be one step ahead. Yeah. Well, so so I, I think there was a you know I thought I think there was like a, a a thing that was perpetuated that you know hey guys are playing the shotgun so much they don't know how to take a snap underneath center um, you know we really got to coach him up to get him into professional football well you know Kansas City was eighty percent shotgun last year you know they're in the 70s here so so um it it works being not in a shot or being in a shotgun and then you know there's no downside to to getting a quarterback who's had a million looks at the passing game you know usually you're worried about a guy that's come from uh three yards in a cloud of dust school and you're trying to teach him to read coverages a guy that's got time on task that started for three years or four years uh or one or two years um that's playing fast football and is it's, it's a pass oriented deal there's no downside to that particularly when you when you get in this league because it is a passing league AAF was pretty uh, they tried some unconventional things whether it was rules or replay or whatever was, was there anything that from that experience that you liked that maybe the NFL could take forward well I think you saw the the, the, the first and I only saw it a little bit was the sky judge idea and then then the uh, transparency in terms of what was being talked about and listen to how Sky Judge was talking about what they saw and what replays they were getting and I see this but I don't see that and I thought that was an interesting you know dive into to, for people that don't usually see it to, to hear the uh, conversations that go on as opposed to being under the hood or looking at the screen and just coming and making that decision I thought that was a kind of a, a novel thing when we explained that you went down to Atlanta but then you left before the season started how do we explain that what, what, what happened um I would just say that it wasn't right. I thought it was going to be great. I thought it was going to be with people that was football oriented, you know, with with Bill Pullian's name on it and um, the the bones and the structure being good football people. But you know, if you don't have the money to run the organization, I mean, you guys wouldn't be standing here working for an organization that wasn't paying you. So, you know, you sense that very early. I'm not going to tell you I sense that, but I, I sense something was a miss and you know it goes all the way back to my wife asking me well you've had some strange conversations about this haven't you I don't mean to listen to what you're talking about I said yeah I've had some different conversations and, and uh, uh, I had probably pause and probably the thing that I learned most for doing this 40 years if there's something that doesn't feel right your gut's telling you it's not right and I have a rather ample gut you know trust your gut so very interesting on a different non-bearers topic but he basically said there that he didn't feel comfortable with the league and what he was hearing about the league and his gut was telling him that this wasn't what he thought it was and to get out. 
So he did. His gut was right. His gut certainly was right. Uh, I wonder what his gut says about Vinny Mack and the XFL. Should have asked him that. <laughs> Next time. Next time. Brad, uh, what does your gut say about Vinny Mack? Well, I think it's it's uh, good he's with the Bears. Yes. Um, and I don't think this is a too many cooks in the kitchen situation here. I think Matt Nagy has assigned the roles quite well when you have Helfrich, Childress, and Ragon helping Trubisky. Well, it also is encouraging that this isn't a guy that feels like, uh, I need to have all the say. You know, like, I'm the master voice here. He's willing to delegate and get different opinions. And Because there are a lot of guys in the NFL that are not like that. Yeah, you, you know what? And, and it's a great person for Matt Nagy to bounce ideas off of. He's been in the league a long time. He's been a head coach before. He's gone through some crap in Minnesota. Great resource for Matt Nagy just to talk head coach stuff with. Absolutely. Was Chuck he the Pagano too? Was he the head coach when the Metrodome just collapsed? Oh, with the snow. I think he was. Had and, to be. And the Bears won the division. Maybe Mike Tice. Let me look it up. At TCF Bank. I'm trying to think. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but that would be an example of crap to go through. Yes. Your roof collapse. Here's a bunch of snow. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, this was kind of, we ended up talking defense too, but it was sort of offensive week at Hallis Hall, the way the Bears have this structured week to week. I got an interesting story in the Adam Shaheen coming up. Mm, teaser. Yes, yes. Read about it and the athletic. Uh, big expectations for him. He lost seven pounds, and he did something uh, a little bit out of the ordinary to help improve himself physically. I think I heard about that. Don't give it but away. But I'm not going to give it away. Thank you. But I did hear about it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> teaser. Teaser. At theathletic.com. Yes, soon. Be there. Uh, and you had a notebook from yesterday, too, right? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, just click it. All right, I'll click it. I'll click it as soon as we get done here. Uh, we should get out of here. How about that? Good uh, OTAs. It's good to have It's nice to, to have about, the yeah. quarterback talking. You, you had your two best players on the team, your two most important players on the team talk. And you heard it right here on Hogan Johns. Johnson Hogue. Looks like it Hogan in, Johns. Uh, looks like it happened in 2010, and Childress uh, was the coach through 2010. Ah. Uh. Nah. So unless uh, should have brought that up. took over, how about that adversity <laughs> when the roof the collapsed. roof collapsed? All right, uh, don't forget three one two 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 fifty fifty three best voicemails of the week. Give us your hottest take of twenty nineteen. The hottest of hot takes. We want to hear it. Uh, you can win tickets or ask us anything. Podcast again. It's Wednesday, June twenty sixth. Do not call if you can't make it. If you're not gonna, if you can't go. You can't win the ticket. Like if you're in Ireland or that guy in Australia. Yeah, which we do apologize to those people. We got a lot of international listeners. But you're welcome to fly in if you want. It's a beautiful time in this city. Yeah. If it ever stops raining. Uh, yeah, Jesus. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at Joey Joe Rowe, WGNRadio.com slash Bears, TheAthletic.com, or The Athletic app. Please rate, review the podcast, subscribe, tell your friends about it. That's most important. Pass it along. We appreciate you doing that. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Hi, Joey Jojo.